Well, good morning, my brothers and sisters. It's so good to be with you this morning. Um, I know that this is not the way we want to get together. I know we'd rather, I would rather be face-to-face -face with you and be able to see your smiling faces as I chat with you. And we would rather be able to, to hold on to each other and talk to each other. But this is how it is for the next couple Sundays at least. So let's make the best of it. And in, a, in that process, remember, that it's not about us so much, but about others that might um, might be impacted by this whole thing. So, so let us um, be graceful and care for each other in ways that God would want us to do it, you know? Um, we will have lots of opportunities to worship God together, and I thank Him for that. So let us not dwell on the ugliness of this time, but to see God's hand in it and, and pray for God's healing in it. Now, next week, if you have prayer concerns, you send them into Stacy this week coming up. And next Sunday, um, I will pray for those things uh, uh, corporately with everybody here. And we will lift them up. Uh, and joys, any joy you have. I had a great joy today. I spent the day with my granddaughter and all of our families. Um, it was her sixth birthday party. So we had a joyful time, and we just thank God for that. So you send in the, the uh, concerns that you'd have us pray for, the joys you'd want us to celebrate with, and we will pray for those next Sunday um, right at this time, okay? But right now, uh, I'm going to um, pray for the things that are on the bulletin and um, uh, just have a general prayer here, a pastoral prayer for us. So um, let's go to the throne together. Let's go to the cross. Um, lay, lay our burdens at the foot of the cross and watch Christ's blood, his sacrifice, his shadow go over those concerns and bring us healing. Let's pray. Come to the cross with me, William. Lord God, we, we come this morning um, thanking you for um, the technology that we have today. Thanking you for your creation of all this neat stuff. And um, we're thankful that we have it today, that we can join together and um, be in worship of you um, right here, right now, in this time, through this venue. Uh, I know, it's, Lord, it's not where our heart's at, but uh, you know where our true heart is. And that true heart is to come to you and to worship you and to praise you. And thank you for who you are in our lives. And as we come this morning, we often think, we often think, Lord, of, of all the times that we have missed the mark and um, caused some separation in our lives between you and I. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us and, and help us in this moment, in this time to be together. Uh, and know your forgiveness in a very powerful, a very healing way. So forgive us of those times, Lord, when we have missed the mark, and encourage us to, to keep on fighting, to keep on staying faithful, to keep on trying, to keep, to keep seeking to get closer and closer to you. And we do that in the midst of everything that's going on, Jesus, um, we we know that you know our suffering more than we can ever imagine. For you have suffered 
just as we have. So we pray that you would hear our prayers today and uh, and uh, guide us through this time and help us to know that um, we don't have anything to fear because we are with you. We are with you and help us always to know that we're not far um, from your guidance and your hand in our lives. And today we come before you through the grace of the Holy Spirit here and ask that you'd be with these concerns that are on our hearts. Um, and we're praying for those that are hurting, Lord God. Uh, Jesus, hear our prayers for them, but also hear our prayers for the families, the caretakers, those people that are um, helping these folks that are hurting. And we think of Heather. I pray that you'd continue to be with her and her family as she recovers from surgery. And we pray your grace in her life right now. We pray for our friend David and um, for his caretaker, Karen, his sweetheart of all these years, and pray that you would be with them. And we lift up their son to you too, Lord God, Dale, um, having such a struggle. And we pray that you would be um, powerfully in his life, that he would um, be able to know that there's no way this can be happening except by your grace. We pray for um, our dear friend Emily today and, and pray that as she recovers from this uh, disease that you would give her strength to be faithful and strong in the midst of it. We pray for our mom and dad. Oh my goodness. We pray for our mom and dad, um, Terry and Jeff, and we pray, Lord God, that you just give them strength. Put your head of protection, edge of protection around them and help them to know that you're there with them especially in their most difficult times. And in that light, Lord God, um, we pray for these three young children. Um, we pray for their kids, for the kids, for, them, for just to be with Toby and, and encourage him and help him along this journey, to be with um, Caitlin and to help her uh, in the midst of everything that she's going through as a young girl. Um, to give her strength and understand us and be with little Jason too, Lord God, and, and keep him safe. And then be with our dad too. Give them all your grace and your peace in the midst of all this um, family that's just being tested and tried. Give them your grace today. We pray for all the families that have lost loved ones lately, but we think of the Benjamin family and um, uh, Larry and his family, and, and pray that you would be with all of them as they go through their time of loss. Uh, we pray for Chris and, and Cindy, and pray that you would be with them, and, and also Mackenzie, be with them, to, be with her today, Lord God. We pray for our mission team, pray for our mission team, pray that you'd be with them as they begin their meetings to get ready to go to uh, Minnesota, and keep them safe, Lord, and keep them on your, on your, um, on your heart, so that they would know that no matter what's going on, you're there with them. We pray for our dear friend Harriet, and pray that you'd be with her today. And all of our shut-ins, all of our shut-ins, Lord, and all those that take care of them, um, we're blessed for those folks. Be with our friend Bruce. And as he goes through this time of cancer, uh, whatever it is, I think it's cancer. But be with him, Lord God, and give him strength. Be with his family. Um, 
be with our um, our United Methodist Church today. Uh, it's going through so many struggles, and we pray that your grace would be there and help us on our journey and and uh, keep us faithful to you is our prayer, Lord God. And uh, we pray for our president and um, his family. Um, pray for the leaders of the world today. And pray that you'd keep them all safe and help them to discern your will instead of thinking about what they want. We pray for our military today, Lord God, and all those who are in service. You know, our EMTs, our firemen, our policemen, um, our health care people, um, especially our health care people at this time right now. They're probably going crazy, just like uh, um, the people that are serving us in the stores uh, uh, people that take our, our groceries and stuff. We pray you be with all those people, Lord, and give them strength to get through this time. But um, we especially pray for our military and their families today. And um, Lord God, I, I know that there's prayers on our hearts that are just between you and I, and we lift them up today. And we ask that you would um, you'd help us find peace in the midst of all these concerns that are on our hearts. And if healing has to happen, help us to surrender ourselves to you so they can. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Lord God, we pray these things in your Son's name today, the one that taught us that great prayer of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Well, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to share this with you, and I hope that I can do this and turn the slides at the right time um, so that we can stay faithful to them, you know? <laughs> and um, I, I, I move the slides whenever they're supposed to, so I might be going back and forth, but we'll get through it. Again, this is not the way we'd like to do this, but praise God. Praise God for the, just for the um, gift of grace that we have, that we have this technology to do this today. Uh, I'm thankful for that. I, I, um, I'm, I'm probably um, a generation too old um, because I love this stuff. I'd, be, I'd love to be one or two generations. Uh, I guess I'd love to be a millennialist and have all this technology. But here we go. You know, um, I think... I think one probably one of the single most important lessons that you and I have to learn in life. I, I don't want to put it simplistically down to this because it's so important that it umbrellas, I think, all of our life, all of our life. Um, this this one principle that we need to learn, and it's a simple thing: how to love like Jesus. That should be our umbrella over our whole life. Um, learning to love the way 
that God loves us the way that Jesus loves us, that he gave up everything to be so we could have that right relationship with him. Um, I, I'm convinced that God didn't put us on earth to, to, so we could make more money, so that we could retire at a young, ripe age, so that we could just have fun and die, you know. And um, when I was at Temkin, I saw that in several people. They would work hard all their life, and then when they retired, they would just walk away and die. And I thought, oh my, there has to be more than that. I think God has put us here how to to do nothing more than to learn how to love the way that he loves, the way that Jesus does. And if we miss that point, then we've missed the joys, the true joys of life. So for these past few weeks, this past two weeks, there's the third week, we've been uh, in the series that I've um, called the uh, seven great words from the cross and and the first week we looked at the word of forgiveness where um, Jesus says from the cross father forgive us because we don't know what we're doing he says forgive them you know last week we looked at that word of assurance what a great thought that was and I believe that's on the website if you that I'm going to send to you if you want to listen to it again it's there But today we'll be looking at this third word, which is the the word of love. The word of love. It's a a word that Jesus looked at his mother, who was standing at the foot of the cross, looked at his best friend John, the apostle, and and took time to set up them, set them up and say, Here, I want you to do something take care of each other. He, he loved them that much. Let me, um, you know, you know the background of this is just crazy, but uh, I think that it'll help us to understand. Um, before Jesus even went to the cross, my friends, this man was so much stronger than the rest of us because he had to be exhausted. He had to be completely done in from all the blood that he had lost in the last 24 hours, um, the trials he had, you know, when they arrested him, they took him through six trials. All of them were, were <laughs> everybody calls them shams. Um, you know, he had three Roman trials and three Jewish trials, and every one of them literally was illegal <laughs> and against the law to have them in the middle of the night. Ah, and they did it just to rush him through so they could get him on that cross the next day. So Jesus had no sleep whatsoever, no sleep whatsoever. And then after they arrested him, they tortured him, they put the crown of thorns on his head, you know, they beat him, they mocked him, they spit on him. The Bible tells us they even pulled out his beard just to be mean to him. They scourged him, scorned him, scourged him, you know, scourging Um it's more than a whipping, you know, it's a, it, I guess it's what they call a cat of nine tails um, that had stuff in them that every time you, every time you got beat with this cat of nine tails, uh, it left nine wounds because of, I don't know, barbs or something in it that would 
cause it to eat into your skin and pull it out, you know, and everything. So he had 39 strips, and if you think about that, 39 times 9 is 280 scars, um, open wounds all over his body. His back was nothing but a bloody pulp, I can imagine. So from the loss of sleep and the loss of blood, Jesus is stumbling up the hill on the on the uh, uh, top of that hill. The crowd is doing nothing but mocking at him. Uh, his disciples have left him, um, oh, except one. They're all scattered because they're all afraid that they'll get arrested too. But at the cross, all of his friends aren't there. There's four ladies and John. Four Marys. We're not actually sure who all the four Marys were, but they were probably good relatives and close people that Jesus had touched. Um, and his mama. And his mama. So let's look at this verse here. Let's look at this verse and um, um, see what it says to us. It's John 19, 25 through 27. And it, um, if you have your Bible with you and you want to open up to it, that would be good and we can follow along together. Or I think I'm getting it on the screen, right? So we can we can do it here, okay? Listen to this word. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Clopas and Mary Magdalene. Oh, my. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, woman, behold this guy standing beside you. He is your son now. Then he looked at his disciple and his friend, I think. And he said to him, John, I need you to take care of this lady. Let her become your mother. He said, behold your mother. And listen to it. And from that hour on, the disciple took her to his own home. Oh my, this is the word of God for all God's people. And I can hear you all saying, thanks be to God. Well, we're in the seven great words of Christ. Um, Mary, you know, we understand at this point the reason Jesus said this to her was that um, tradition tells us that she was a widower. Joseph had died sometime earlier, and um, and um, she's there by herself. And um, uh, it's, tradition says that she lived another 12 years. So in that 12 years, the apostle John took care of her um, because she had become his mother and he had become her son. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, that Jesus looks down from the cross and he says, Mother, this is your new son. And he looks at John and he said, This is your new mother. And we don't know what about John's mother. Maybe he had two mothers then. But um, what he was basically saying is, Here you are, guys. You're to take care of each other. 
Now, this might seem an unimportant phrase from the cross, but literally, my friends, I don't believe Jesus says anything unimportantly. Do you? It seems pretty important to me, um, and we need to take it to heart. Um, I think what he's doing is showing deep concern, deep concern of what God has called him to do so that um, we show deep concern when we're in pain to others and when others are in pain that we can reach out to them the way God would want us to through this example of Jesus on the cross looking at his mother. I, I think I think when we think it's unimportant, it's not. I think it shows God's compassion. It shows his sensitivity. It shows his attention. I think it shows his, his tenderness, and I know it definitely shows his concern and umbrellaed over all that. I think it shows his love for all of us. Well, the question always is there. What do we learn from this saying? What do we learn from this? Um, well, I think, first of all, we learned that it, it means nothing more than we are to love like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that's impossible for us to do. But secondly, I think it also tells us that we learn what Jesus does when he's in pain is what we should do. Um, it tells us not only that we need to love Christ, love the way Christ does, but also love the way Christ did, even in extreme pain. So it's not about us all the time and what situation we're in. It's about reaching out to those around us that uh, we love and care for. So this morning, so this morning I want to share four things with you. And um, I'm going to do that the best I can. And um, I tell you, this is really different just talking to nobody. <laughs> but we'll get through it, okay? Give me some grace today, and we'll see how it goes. Well, let me share with you four things that will teach us um, how to love the way that Jesus does. But as I do that and I say this, I need you to know, to know this principle. It's impossible for us to do that without a relationship with Jesus. We can't love the way he did unless we have that intimate relationship with him. So we're going to seek, we need to seek to grow closer to him all the time uh, and see where he's at in our lives. Or we'll, we can't do this. I'm telling you, friends, it's like I say all the time, it's the hardest thing in the world to be a Christian. And we can't do it without the grace of God, the presence of, um, of Jesus in our hearts, and the life of the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. It's impossible. So this is one of those impossible things to learn to love like Jesus did. Let me give you the first one. The first one is this. How to love like Jesus? If you look at it, it says, I must care for my own family. My own family. Do you get that? The number one thing that is pretty obvious here is that if we're going to learn to love like Jesus, I must care for my immediate family. Love, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's really strange. 
um, but love is is not just something that we say. It's something that we choose to do. It's an action in our lives. In the in the midst of all that Jesus was going through, all the pain that he's in, I think I think he does three things for his mom right here. Three things that we should pay attention to that we should do for each of our families. Are you ready? Okay. You see it there? The first thing is we need to be paying attention. Paying attention. The first thing that we need to learn to love God like uh, like he does our families is to love our families by paying um, attention. Attention is one of the greatest gifts we can give our family. It's more than it's more than uh, um, getting gifts and and giving money. Attention is the greatest. I think it's the greatest gift you will give anybody because it's um, a time. It's time that you can't get back. When I give you attention, I'm giving you my my very life. I wish I could say to you today that I do that with Phyllis Ann all the time, but I don't. All of us know that, don't we? We seek to be loving and caring, and if we really love the people that we say we do, we'd give them full attention. But sometimes my mind and my heart is someplace else when Phyllis is wanting my attention. Um, We can always give more gifts to people, can't we? We can give money, we can do all kinds of things. But you know what? When people need us, that attention that they need right at that point, we can never give that back again. Um, it's like all the events that that we have to go to with you, with your children. You know, people come up to me all the time and they say, "Hey, I won't be in church Sunday because I have to go." And I my my heart breaks when they say, "I have to go." Um, see my kid play football, see my kid play basketball, see my kid in a dance concert, Um, um, you know, see my kid play piano, whatever it is. Can't come to Bible study, can't come there. I have to go here. And I I always think, no, you don't have to go. You you need to go. You want to go. It's the most important thing in the world. You can come to church the rest of your life. But that's, that's only one time you get to see that young lady, that young man, do what is on their hearts. And that's one of the things that breaks my heart today with everything that's going on. I mean, all these kids uh, who uh, played four years of high school or four years of college, um, you know, um, don't get to finish up their, their, their dream if they were a basketball player, for example, or if they were, you know, whatever it is they were going to do. And it's all been canceled because of this crazy um, world and virus that we're living through right now. And so our heart should go out to them, and then we should be praying for those people all the time. But the greatest gift I think you can give is to your child and to let them know that, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there with you. Um, We can always go to work. We can always, you know, do schoolwork, whatever it is we're doing. And even we can always go to church. But, you know, that one time, at one time, you will have to be with your child, and that's it. I, uh, I I don't know if I told you this story or not, but it just came to my heart. Let me share it with you. Um, when I was in seminary, I, I had to take a class. Um, it only met on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock. 
And, uh, and it was, um, it was a big class that I had to have. It was a required class. And so I went to it. Uh, the only problem of it was, was my son played um, basketball um, for Houston High School uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> at 7 o'clock. And it was an hour away from where I was at. So every Tuesday and Thursday that he had a game, I would sit in the back of the classroom because there was a door in the front of the classroom and a door in the back of the classroom. I didn't want to disturb everybody, so I would go out the back door um, uh, about 5, five o'clock so that I could get to the um, uh, high school at 6 and then um, be able to sit there and be with family and friends for, for that time. And, um, and so I would leave every day. And it was about the third or fourth week of that time that I walked out that back door. When I walked out that back door, the professor walked out the front door. And as I walked down the hall towards him, he looked at me and he says, where are you going and why are you leaving this class every day? And I said to him very politely, I said, well, my son's in basketball and his game starts uh, at seven o'clock and I'm an hour away and I want to get there and be with him before he gets to play. And he looked at me and he said, do you mean to tell me your son's basketball is more important than this seminary class? And I, I, I tell you what I did, friends. I didn't even respond. I just walked away. And uh, I, I did fail the class. He, he wouldn't pass me, but that's okay. I took it again and got through it. <laughs> but it's an amazing thing uh, um, that we put the priority sometimes in the wrong place. God wants us to give that attention, give that time. Um, I, can, I can imagine this scene on the cross, you know. Can you imagine, I, I, I don't know, I don't remember the passion that Mel Gibson did, but I can see the scene, you know, in my own heart, the emotion that's going on. Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, is at the foot of the cross looking up at her son, and he's in agony, and he's just, you know, reached out to two other people. He said, you know, uh, to a generation of people, to a whole world of people. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And then he looks at this thief, and he says, gosh, I hear your heart. You'll be with me today. And then in the midst of all that, here he is struggling. He's, every breath is hurting. And he looks down in his mother's eyes and his eyes meet. And at that moment, I want to tell you, friends, nobody else in that crowd mattered to Jesus. I, I think, I think that their eyes locked and their hearts locked. They couldn't help but feel each other's hurt. And the very thing that Jesus does is gives her attention, gives her that attention that she desperately needed. Desperately needed. And she said to him, don't worry, Mom. This guy's going to take care of you And that's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus did nothing more than live up to the law of honoring your mother and father. It's not an option, friends. It's a command. 
It's a command. And it doesn't mean it's one you keep when you're five years old and then forget about it when you're in, when you're a senior in high school because your parents don't know anything. And then come back to them after you've graduated from college thinking, okay, maybe they're not so stupid. But it's a time of honoring your mother and father every moment of the day. And that's what Jesus did in the midst of everything he was going on. Oh, I better move on. Move on or you're going to be shutting this tape off. <laughs> Letter B, under this first point, you see it there? We, we, um, we show our love for family like Jesus did by meeting practical needs. Um, as Jesus does here, um, I guess what we could say is he gave out his last will and testament, uh, meeting the practical needs of his mom. Um, he's dying on the cross, and he's she's losing uh, Jesus, this son of hers, her provider probably, but there was nothing there, was there? Um, it says, I think, when he looks at her and gives uh, John authority to be her son from now on, it says it's pretty significant because, you see, Mary was a widow, widower, and um, she was a poor widower, I imagine. Um, I, I can't imagine they were rich. Um, and what did Jesus have to give her? What's the word? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus has nothing to give. He's not rich. He has no wealth. Literally, my friends, he has no home. He has no place to lay his head. He has no clothes except to wrap around his waist. My goodness. So what can he give? His poor, older mama. He doesn't have any inheritance that would keep her for very long. What does he have to give? Answer the question in your heart. Nothing but his best friend. Oh, my. My goodness. And he entrusts his mother to the care of his closest disciple. I think his closest friend, the one of the that um, they shared ministry together. We're all supposed to take care of our kids, aren't we? Did you know that the Bible says we're supposed to take care of our parents? <laughs> oh, many of us are in that situation now. I mean, even our kids one day, my daughter and my son and their, their spouses are going to take care of me and Phyllis. Um, my daughter and her husband are taking care of, of his parents uh, right now. It's in First Timothy chapter 5. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oh my goodness. What a lesson to learn, friends. If you want to love like God does, and love the way that Jesus then to take care of uh, the people by meeting their practical needs uh, who can't give anything back to you, but just do it. Let me give you number C here. Um, how do we love our family the way Jesus did? It's by giving emotional support, isn't it? Giving emotional support and holding on to him that way. Um, Standing with her is John, Jesus' best friend. And I believe John is in agony. He's not understanding why 
Um, Jesus is going through all this. He knows that he's the son of God. I don't think he has any doubt that. But he just does, can't understand, like many of us can't, why did Jesus have to go through the pain? Why did he have to put up with all this ridicule and torture and suffering? And, um, and uh, John gets a hold of it here in just a minute because I think uh, when Jesus, when I say he, by giving emotional um, support, we understand uh, wholeheartedly that, that um, uh, Jesus is saying to John and to, to Mary, you need to support each other. You both need this, uh, this emotional support at this time. And um, I, I think we get that out of Proverbs chapter 17. Um, it's in verse 17. Friends, friends love through all kinds of weather. And families stick together in all kinds of troubles. Well, yeah, if you uh, want to write something down, write that, circle that, stick together. Um, that, I think, is uh, the way we show Christ-like love in our family. We stick together, we show up, we stand up, and we hold each other up. Like a great mom, Mary is there when everybody else flaked out. She was there when everybody else deserted her son, but she was there. That's real love, I think. She stuck. She stuck together with him. Okay, gosh, I hope I haven't lost you. The first place that we then show love like Jesus is at home. In the middle of his pain, Jesus pays attention to his mom and meets her practical needs and provides for her and gives her that emotional support, and even John, that they need at that very moment. So, let me move to the second thing um, that we need to look at this morning. How do we love like Jesus? Well, I must treat other believers. Listen to this closely. Do you remember how I told you that this was impossible? It's impossible for us to love Jesus Love like Jesus in our homes, in, in our families, in our immediate families, without the help of God. Because we know how terrible our families are right now. Well, many families are being destroyed daily. So it, there must be something more that we need to do in those relationships. And you wrap all that that I just said in this little circle and say, oh my goodness, we have to. We have to have that relationship with Christ for this to be able to be done because without it, we can't. And here, it's just a little bit deeper, a little bit um, more difficult. I must, we must, if we want to love like Jesus did, we must treat other believers as our family. Um, but that's hard to do, friends. Um, there's a lot of people that are our family. But there's a self-centeredness in our lives that says, I'm going to protect what my, what is mine, you know, and that's our family. But God says, yes, do that with your family, but also do it with those church people, those people that you love. The Bible says that real love is learning to treat other believers in your church. I, I, I want to say this, in our church family here at LaGrange, United Methodist Church, but also our our brothers and sisters that are at the Baptist Church and the Church of God and and the Methodist Church in Grafton and and in Belden and in, and in Wellington and then you know I could just keep on going couldn't I 
we are, t we are all one family. As you know, I, you know, I had, had a shattered family and, and um, difficult family life. But I learned an awful lot from it and, and have gained um, healing through it and have been able to find the grace of God in the midst of that. But, you know, in the midst of that shattered family, today, Phyllis and I have a family that starts out in Sydney, Ohio. We have family out there yet that goes to Louisville, Ohio, where we have family that goes to um, um, Navarre, Ohio. We have family that goes to um, uh, Caldwell and Old Washington and West Salem. And now, praise God, at LaGrange. What a great family we have here. Um, I want you to know, if you don't know it, I care about you more than you can ever imagine. I, I care for you and love you and, and want to be there for you. Because I, I, I think of it this way. Uh, we know the old saying that blood is thicker than water. We understand that, you know, and understand that in our, in our immediate homes. But what I want to say to you, if you want to write this down, grace is thicker than our genetics. Did you get that? Grace is thicker than our genetics. And we're supposed to care about each other. Uh, our physical families are good families. They're, they're in bad shape. And the worst part of it is, is they're going to go away one day. But our spiritual families will never go away. Um, it's going to last forever. So if you thought you was going to get rid of me, you're not. You're stuck with me for eternity. Praise God. I'm glad I'm stuck with you. Um, so we need, to, we need to be sure and understand that the Bible is clear that we're to treat each other's family. It's in Matthew chapter 12. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So you see that makes us all related. And we're to treat each other like we treat, even better than we treat our families. Uh, we're to treat, treat each other as brothers and sisters. I've got lots of brothers and sisters in, in this new family, and I love them all. I see them, and I, I just thank you. I say thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Um, the Bible, let me share this with you real, real quick. The Bible tells us about John. He's a beloved disciple. You know, the one that leaned his head on Jesus' chest and, and just sat there, you know, and they became one. Um, uh, he said, we are, uh, the idea is that we're to be devoted to each other like that, to have that relationship. And it's in, in Romans chapter 12. Um, God's word says to us, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for each other. Oh my. I think that's that sticking up for each other and being there all the time. Um, that's how Jesus was able to um, entrust his mom to his care because John was that believer that he knew well. Oh my. Now, I'm, I need to move on, don't I? Um, being that family, but let me give you this last thought. 
being that that spiritual family, if we're going to love each other, it comes down to this in Galatians, I think, chapter 6. A couple verses there, but chapter 6, verse 2 says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way you'll obey the law of Christ. You see, we're to stick it out and carry each other's burdens. So when when people are hurting in church, my heart's hurting with them. When uh, people are having just a great time and celebrating life, my heart's celebrating with them. That's what we're supposed to do, I think. To love, love not only our immediate families, but the, the church, the big C church, you know. Not just LaGrange, yes, LaGrange, but not just there. Not just our families, but, but God's family. Let me give you number three. You see it there? Learn to see others' pains. Others' pain, even when we're in pain. Wow. It gets harder and harder. We can't do this one unless we have a great relationship with Christ. We can't see others' pain when we're in pain. Um, you can only do it with God's power in you. Um, I, I Let me be real honest with you. When I'm in pain, the last thing I'm thinking about is you. I, I'm sorry. If I'm at home uh, throwing up or not feeling well, you know what I do? I tell Phyllis Ann to call her friend Michelle Madison. She's the funeral director at uh, um, the place we're going to be taken care of at the end of life. I, I just beg her to call her and tell her to get something ready because I'll be there shortly. <laughs> Phyllis Ann never calls her, by the way. But I, I know I'm coming. You see, I'm totally self-centered when I'm really sick. Praise God, I haven't been really sick for a while, so that's good. And I don't know about you, but I want to be babied. I want to be pampered. I want Phyllis Ann to come and fan me with a little feather thing, you know, and say, it'll be okay, honey. You know, I want her to peel the grapes for me and lay me back and, you know, give me whatever I need. Pain, I think, tends to make us self-centered is what I'm saying. Um, but God says to us, if we really want to learn how to love, really want to love like Jesus does, we've got to see other people's pain, even in, in our pain when we're there. Uh, that's how, you know, if we're, if we're really being honest with it, we have to look at Jesus saying these things from the cross. Father, he's in terrible pain, and he's looking out for the well-being of others. So, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And, and he looks at that guy and says, I hear your heart's cry. Oh, uh, you know, your heart's cry today. You'll be with me. He's concerned about this guy. In the midst of all of his uh, agony and pain that he's going through, and then he has this moment with his mother. He's not thinking about himself. Even on the cross, even in the agony he's in, he's not thinking about all that he's going through. He's looking out for others. And if we want to love the way Jesus loves, then we need to read Philippians 2.5. Because it says our attitude should be that of, of the same. Our attitude should be the same of Jesus Christ. Oh, my. Wow. So the world, I'm in the worst pain that I could ever have. I should be looking around at the people around me and helping them. That's a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one. Look at First Peter, chapter four. Since Christ suffered under underwent pain, 
You must have the same attitude as he did. You must be ready to suffer too. Remember, when your body suffers, sin loses its power. Now, I'm going to just say this real quickly. Here, here it is. Do you want to get healed from the pain in your life, from the hurt in your life, from the struggles in your life? Quit dwelling on it and start looking at the pain in other people's lives, and you'll find healing beyond your imagination. Because that's the way Jesus loves. Let me give you the fourth one. You see it there on your outline? To love like Jesus, I must meet others' needs, even if mine aren't met. Most difficult lesson of all, I think. I must meet other people's needs, even though my personal needs aren't met. Whether at work or at home, at, at church, and in the groups I'm around with, whatever it is, <laughs> I'm going to have to learn to love like Jesus and meet other people's needs, even when I'm not getting my needs met. That's so difficult. It's really, it's interesting to me. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and to the very end, you know, all his life he was thinking about other people. Here at the very end, he says, my pain is too great. I isn't too great. I'm going to help other people. Aren't you glad he didn't say, my pain's too great, I can't help you with yours right now? Wouldn't it have been terrible to look at that guy on the cross who opened his heart up to Jesus and said, I trust you, I believe in you? And he said, oh, I don't have time right now, man, I'm dying. <laughs> Excuse me, he says, I'm being crucified. Aren't you glad he doesn't say that? Well, Romans 15 says to us that we want to love like Jesus. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help them? How can I help them? So, so here's, here's, here's how, how we do it. If you want to write this down in your outline somewhere, look for Jesus disguised as hurting people in our lives. Look for people that, that Jesus puts in our lives that are hurting. I think, as some people said, they're, they're angels, you know. Um, they may be at the, at, the, at the time clock, you know, and as you're punching in and you're sitting there, standing there talking to them and you hear what they're going through. It may be as you're sitting there at the track meet that's coming up, I hope, and and you hear all the agony and the hurt that people are in um, from the things that have been going on. Look for Jesus. In other words, is what I'm saying. Look for Jesus in the hurts of the people around you, and He'll show you. He'll show them to you. Um, it's in it's in Romans chapter twelve, a great scripture. It says, "When God's children are in need, you, you be the one to help them out." Get into the habit of inviting guests, inviting people home for dinner. In other words, taking care of their needs. Or if they needed even a place to sleep. Oh my. We, we at, in this community have been inundated with ways to reach out and, and see Jesus and hurting people. Uh, we have many opportunities. Now, that doesn't mean we have to buy into every one of them. Some of them just 
don't touch our hearts that, that are are brought up you know but some of them do and and if, and if, and if all of us only did one we would miss out on the other one so i'm glad that some of us just some of us like giving to the lions club some of us like giving to um 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 uh, Matt's matters, you know. Some of us like giving to other things, but I want to tell you one of the great things is is the Keystone Food Ministry. We have an opportunity now. If you don't want to give to that, that's okay. Don't feel guilty about it because we need to give to something else. But I want to tell you, I went to the IGA on Saturday night and uh, and got Phyllis nice and um, chicken, and um, and I walked by the the uh, Keystone food box um, for the kids and they had to put another one out. Two of them were filled up. What a blessing. What a blessing. That's what I would call loving like Jesus. Loving like Jesus. Even though we don't have, we can give to those kids, can't we? We can give to the missionary people that are going on mission trips from our church. Um, to help them get there, you know, um, it's never the money that keeps them from going there. It's just from the heartbreak and the battle they have to fight to get there. So we need to support them, and when we do, we go there with them. Let me let me close with this thought. Let me close with this thought um, because I know that there's a lot of us in pain. And when you're when we're in pain, it's hard to think about anybody else. Um, many of us are grieving, you know, that word cancer and struggling through that. Many of us are are still hurting from loss of loved ones. And Fifteen years ago, it doesn't matter when we still have that problem. Many of us have a lot of problems at work, and then, as we know and, and hear often, many of us in the community are hurting. Um, in our families, the struggles that are going on are just unbelievable. But let me give you just these three things that I think are important to help us to remember when we're paying the practical things. You know, the things that I've given you as the theological um, impossible things to do. Um, but here, I think this is a choice that you and I have to make, um, that we learn from this passage. Are you ready? Number one, remember that Jesus cares about your pain. If we don't hear anything in these first three words, we should hear that Jesus cares about our pain, even on the cross where he's dying and he's in extreme pain and his needs aren't being met, met, um, he cares for us. Remember that. No matter what you're going on, going through, remember that Jesus cares about your pain. That's something that you can do personally. That's practical. Number two, accept love from others. So hard to do. It's so hard for me to do that. So hard for I can give all kinds of love, it seems like, but it's so hard to accept love from others. We don't want to shut ourselves off. We don't want to build up a wall. We don't want to suffer in what's called that, the suffering silence. We need to let people know. We need to ask uh, every week, uh, if you got time, pray for me, will you? Um, we, can, uh, we, we just need to share with people. The worst thing that I hate all the time and, 
and um, can't stand is when I find out somebody's been in the hospital and they just didn't want to bother us. Oh, such, such, it hurts so bad, you know. We need to accept, uh, I can't do anything um, physically for you, but spiritually I hope I can. And all of us at church can bring you love and compassion. Um, remember, Jesus cares for you, and we need to be willing to accept love. And then there's a third one. Um, look for somebody else to help. Look for somebody else to help. You know, if we're ever going to get through that valley, you know, remember in Psalm 23, how many times I've said it, um, it says, even though I walk through that very shadow of the a valley of death, even though I'm in the midst of that, whatever struggle we're in, he says, though it's okay because I know you're with me. Our problem is, is we get we we get back we get through the the valley and we look back through it and then we when we're through it after it's all over and done we look back and say oh gosh I can see where God was at in the midst of that well that's all fine and good but what's even better is that in the midst of that valley in the midst of that valley. I see that God is with me. And the way we do that is by helping somebody else. I guarantee you, there's probably somebody else in the world that's in greater pain than you are. And Jesus gives us the power to love like he does and look past our suffering and see him in the midst of the valley using us, using us. I'm telling you, I know there's, that our church is hurting. Every church is hurting. And whenever you're in pain, um, I know you're in pain. I want you to know that my heart breaks and I'm sorry. And I wish there was a, a button I could push and it would all go away. But I believe whatever pain you're in, you can receive that comfort of Jesus if you reach out to somebody else. It's just a spiritual truth, I think, that he has. Let me share one last thought. Just real quick, just something that's on my mind that that um, I want to share with you before we close here this morning. When I talk to, when I say to you that it's impossible to do this without Jesus, without that relationship with him, without that closeness, without that, where you can, it's sort of like I joke about it, but it's like Jesus and I'm coming to him every day, and he says, oh, oh, Dad, here comes Lloyd again. Here comes Lloyd. I bet you it's over the same thing. And it's always mostly over my sin and my shortcomings and my hurt for you folks, my my desire to be your your pastor and to, and, uh, to be able to love you the way that I should. Um, we need that close relationship. And let me share this with you, just this last thought. Both Mary and John in this, this story would have missed the blessing if they had not been close to Jesus. Did you get that? If they had been far away from Jesus, so they, would, they would have missed the blessing. They would have missed the comfort. If they had stayed away like the others did, if they had stayed away with like the others did that wasn't there, they wouldn't have received this tremendous blessing in life. Think about this. God's answer to your pain is always at the foot of the cross. If we want to love the way that Jesus did, don't move far away from the cross. 
Amen. Well, my friends, let's pray together. Holy Father, I know that there's a lot of people in pain today. And we want to care for them the way that you did. I know it's difficult for us to do that. But right now we want to tell you thanks for taking care of our pain and for loving us in the midst of your pain so much. Help us to learn the lesson, Lord God. Help us to learn the lesson the way that you have taught us to love our family. Hmm. To love our spiritual family. To reach out and love others when our needs aren't being met. And to love you, Lord God. To reach out to you and know without a doubt that we're going to love like you even, even when we're in pain as you were in pain. Even though we're not getting our needs met, it doesn't matter. We're going to love beyond our imagination because to do that, we will learn to love like you do. And that's our goal in life, Lord. So help us to grow nearer and nearer to you and to be right there to put the cross and look up and let your eyes and my eyes, our eyes, fix on you. Thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray it in your son's name and for his glory. Glory. Amen, amen. Well, friends, my peace I leave with you. A peace the world doesn't know. A peace the world cannot understand. My peace. I live with you. Go in grace this week and look for someone who needs someone to share with them. Um, all for God's glory. And listen, listen to this. Let's try this again next week. I bet you we can do it better. Okay? God bless you, and I'll see you soon.